This is Gliza for Classical Adventures for One, where I read classical work dramatically and discuss things about that work that I find interesting and want to share with my listeners. If that's something that you're into, stick around and let's talk about fictional books of the past. Enjoyed the dramatic reading of the third chapter of Alice in Wonderland, A Caucus Race and a Long Tale. If you haven't heard it yet and are interested in listening to it, you can find it linked down below. If you're not interested, that's also totally okay. Thank you still for joining the discussion portion of this episode. The art pieces that are displayed for the dramatic reading and the discussion were done by my good friend Eric. I met him while I was still living in Korea trying to finish my masters. He is one of my many talented friends that does a lot of really relevant work for our times. I'm so glad that he took time off from that important work and did a little bit of art for me. If you're interested in learning more about him and supporting him, which I definitely encourage you guys to do, please check out the links below for more information. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? That's something I've always wanted to know. When I disappear, would people remember me? One of my favorite writers of all time, Terry Pratchett, once wrote the following. Do you not know that a man is not dead while his name is still spoken? Isn't that interesting? That someone never really dies if they're remembered forever. I remember one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who that brings me to tears every single time I watch it. It's called Vincent and the Doctor, and it's about Vincent Van Gogh. In that episode, Vincent was taken to the future, and he realized that even though he wasn't famous or popular or even appreciated back in his day, he is now considered one of the greatest painters of all time. Seriously, you guys, I have never been able to watch that scene without visibly weeping. Do you not know that a man is not dead while his name is still spoken? I've read somewhere that Lewis Carroll's work combined is the third most quoted in the world after Shakespeare in the Bible. I tried to look it up in Google to see where I first read that, but I can't seem to find it again. Whether it's true or not, one thing is clear. Lewis Carroll has touched millions of lives across generations and to this day is still one of the most popular authors of all time. Today, I want to talk about him just a little bit more. I know I've talked about him in previous episodes, but how can you really talk about a book without actually digging deep into the history of the author himself? As I've mentioned before, Lewis Carroll is a pseudonym, with his real name being Charles Ludwig Dodson. Before he chose Lewis Carroll, he used to sign his non-professional writings with just BB. 
It was only when he was trying to get his poem published in a magazine called The Train when Edmund Yates, a magazine editor, mentioned that BB might not be appropriate. So Charles came up with Dares from Daresbury in Cheshire, which was his birthplace. And again, that also wasn't acceptable to Edmund. Charles tried again by submitting more names, Edgar Cuthwellis and Edgar UC Westhill, which were both composed from the letters of his name. He also came up with two alternate spellings for Lewis Carroll, L-O-U-I-S Carroll and L-E-W-I-S Carroll, which was his name, Ludwig Charles, just translated to Latin and back. Lewis Carolus? Edmund eventually chose the last one and that's how we ended up with Lewis Carroll. Now, he still used his name whenever he published any sort of mathematical books, except for one, which was called Symbolic Logic Part 1. That book was published under Lewis Carroll because it was meant to be a less specialized work aimed at a different type of audience. He rarely ever acknowledged that he was also Lewis Carroll to the point where he would seldom sign his books and never gave away his portraits. Even though he kept publicly denying any connections with the Alice books, he did sometimes use his pen name with his friends, the children especially, and he would make exceptions when he thought the name Lewis Carroll would create a better impression when meeting new people. I think it's hilarious that whenever his fans would write to him, he would reply with a printed letter, and let me read to you what that says. Mr. Dodgson is so frequently addressed by strangers on the quite unauthorized assumption that he claims or at any rate acknowledges the authorship of books not published under his name, that he has found it necessary to print this once and for all as an answer to all such applications. He neither claims or acknowledges any connection with any pseudonym or with any book that is not published under his own name. Isn't that hilarious? Here's a little bit more background about Charles. He was the third child and the eldest son of Reverend Charles Dodgson and Francis Jane Ludwig. He had three brothers and seven sisters and was very close and protective of them. And even when he was young, his rich imagination was already evident as he always enjoyed entertaining his brothers and sisters with all kinds of stories and games. When he was 14 years old, he entered rugby school, where he definitely was miserable, and pretty much said that nothing could ever make him go through the same three years that he had gone through when he was at that school. Though he didn't claim to be bullied, it is known that younger boys were always a target. Another interesting fact to mention, though, was that Charles was known, and I quote, to use his fist in defense of a righteous cause, end quote. So, I don't think he ever really let himself get bullied or would ignore other kids being bullied as well. Though he didn't have fun at school, he definitely excelled in school. Especially in maths where one of his teachers even mentioned that he had not met another more promising boy since he had come to rugby. After rugby, he matriculated at the University of Oxford as a member of his father's old college, Christ Church where he remained there studying and teaching in various capacities until his death, including that of a sub-librarian of the Christchurch Library, where his office was close to the deanery where Alice had lived. You may be interested to know that though he was a very imaginative storyteller, 
he wasn't much of an inspiring teacher. And it's actually been mentioned once or twice that his math classes were actually very boring. He was also a very religious man, and you can read it in his writings to his friends where he professed to be a devout Christian. And it's known that he was ordained as a deacon in Christchurch, but never really went into priesthood. Though that is something required in Christchurch, or they'd lose their teaching position. However, Charles never really became a priest. Some say it's because he had a stammer, and that's why the dean let him get away with it. Having said that, Charles had a host of health problems too. When he was a very young child, he suffered a fever that caused him to be deaf in one ear. When he turned 17, he suffered a severe attack of whooping cough, which was probably the reason why he had a weak chest later on in life. The stammer I mentioned earlier actually developed when he was a child too, and he would sometimes refer to it as his hesitation. It's assumed by many, though without proof, that the reason why he referred to himself as the Dodo was because of the stammer and his difficulty in pronouncing his last name. He definitely did refer to himself as a Dodo, but it was never really proven that it was due to his stammer. Another unproven story is that he stammered only in the presence of adult company, but not when he was with his child friends. But many children of his acquaintances remember the stammer while many adults failed to notice it. Though Charles' stammer did trouble him, it was never so bad that it prevented him from doing well in public and he lived at a time when people had to come up with their own entertainment. He could sing and he was very good at impressions and apparently was also really good at charades. Charles was a very precise and orderly man who made lists of all kinds. And I even read somewhere that he would even keep track of menus in his diaries so that people would not have the same dishes too frequently. He's also the type of guy who would write a letter to someone if whatever that person did was not something he liked. He would often write pieces that would be satirical of the academic politics in Oxford. And he mostly did this because he believed by writing them down instead of participating in an actual debate he would be able to write his arguments clearly without being hindered by his stammer. One of the things that have been going around in regards to Charles was that he was very prudish and very shy and only liked the presence of little girls. But there are many proofs against that theory. Charles had plenty of adult friends that he did visit often. Yes, it is true he loved the company of children. He told many stories to them and though he was especially fond of little girls, he had plenty of friends that were boys as well. Even though they only hung out for a short time, he would write them many letters and whenever he went on journeys, he would always have plenty of games and puzzles with him in case he met children to become friends with. Charles was very fond of the theater and opera, though he really wouldn't enjoy anything that made jokes about God as he was very religious. He also enjoyed playing all kinds of games like croquet, backgammon, billiards, chess, as well as playing magic tricks. He also invented plenty of puzzles, games, ciphers, and aids for memory. One of the things that he actually invented was a tool for writing in the dark. Speaking of writing, he was a proficient writer. He liked to write in his journal all the time and actually managed to write a diary consisting of 13 volumes and liked to mark especially good days and liked to write letters, especially funny ones to his child friends 
And he actually wrote an amazing 98,721 letters throughout his life. Other than writing, he had other hobbies that included photography and was one of the best amateur photographers of his time. When I first heard of the subjects of his photography and sketches, which was children in the nude, specifically girls, I admit, I was very concerned that maybe the author was not as innocent as he appeared. I did, however, discover that all Victorian artists did studies of child nudes and many mothers would actually request pictures and sketches of their children in the nude and display it on their mantle, and that was a common thing of the time. I do plan to talk more about this specific topic, the controversy surrounding Charles in a different episode though, since there's a couple of things that I want to talk about concerning that. Charles died of pneumonia following influenza at the age of 65 years old. 65, and yet his name is still remembered today and will continue to be remembered longer still. I want to thank Lenny from AliceInWonderland.net for allowing me to use his website as a source for this episode. His website is so full of Wonderland trivia that anyone can use. So if you're interested in having a Wonderland themed wedding, party, or what have you, why don't you check out that website by going to the description below. Definitely thank you guys for joining me on this adventure and if you're listening to this on YouTube, Please remember to subscribe, like, and share if you found this episode interesting. I would love to hear from you, so please leave a comment below if you have anything that you want me to know or tips to improve on. If you're listening to it anywhere else, please subscribe, like, and share it to people you think might like it anyway. And you can also email me at classicalgliza at gmail.com. Again, I'm Gliza, and this has been Classical Adventures for One. See you on the next adventure. Thank you.